friends, this is Pastor Bill Clark. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, friends, are the first two words I begin each message that I get the privilege to share each Sunday. I get to tell my friends about the greatest friend, Jesus Christ. I also consider friends to be one of the greatest gifts a person can have in this earthly life. Most of the episodes will be messages I share each Sunday, but from time to time, I'll invite a friend to share some of their life with us over a beverage. I pray these episodes bless you and help you on this journey of life. God's blessings to you, friend. This is a message I shared at Timothy Lutheran Church on Wednesday, March 1st. We're doing a Lent series called The Places of the Passion. And on this night, we visit the place of Bethany. Lord, I ask that you speak through me once again this evening. Lord, may the words that come from my mouth give honor to you and your holy word. Let your word speak to us this Lent season. As we visit the places of the passion of our Savior, I ask all of us in the name of our crucified Savior, who died and rose for our sins. Amen. Good evening, friends. As I said in our opening, we're going to Bethany tonight. So I got a question for you. Has anyone ever heard of the movie Babette's Feast? Somebody, nobody, that's good because I had never heard of it either, all right? I'd be surprised if somebody put their hand up. So I started looking around about this movie, Babette's Feast. It came out in 1987, same year I graduated high school. It won an Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film. If you look it up online, it's only available in Danish, Swedish, and French, all with English subtitles. Well, as you can guess, Babette's Feast is about Babette, right? But she's a talented chef from Paris, Through some circumstances I didn't get into, but she's kicked out of Paris, and she moves to this small Danish fishing village. It's also a small religious community, and it's full of hard-hearted people. The community is marked by one word, get. Get ahead, get back, get even, and whatever you do, get revenge. Well, the community takes Babette in, and they allow her to serve as their maid and cook. They only, want her to serve, they only want her to make bland foods because that's all they know. I thought, well, this is very kind of this small little Danish religious community. So one day, another word sweeps through the community. Babette has won the lottery in Paris. And so with the winnings, she decides she's going to cook this feast. And this is a scene from the movie. She treats this community to a meal of rare delicacies, excellent wine, and some of the best gourmet food in the world. The menu included turtle soup, caviar, quail, and champagne. And through this meal, the community is restored. Many arguments that's going on in the community are dropped. 
Past sins are forgiven. And when the film is finished, when the dinner is over, they join hands under the stars and sing the doxology. Shall we sing it together? We all know it, don't we? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Couldn't find a screen that had Amen on it. So you heard, no matter how bad a singer you are, everyone sounds good when they sing the doxology. And being a good Lutheran, now it's time to eat, isn't it? What does Babette do for this community in serving this meal? She replaces the word get with the word give. She gives freely. She gives extravagantly. And she gives joyfully. Later, though, the community discovers this, what Babette had really done. She had spent every single penny that she won on the lottery on this meal. Not just part of it. And the community gets outraged, and they close the door on her and shun her out. Well, through all this, she can never return to Paris and do what she's good at, being a chef. You know, why is it? Why did it turn out like this in the movie? She gave everything she had. So why, why do I bring up this little-known movie? Besides the fact it was in the sermon outline we see another Babette in our Gospel reading tonight, don't we? Mary. Mary gave everything. Tonight we continue our sermon series, Places of the Passion, and we talk about when Jesus went to Bethany. Now, if you remember last week, Jesus went to Jerusalem, but now He's in Bethany, just a mile away. As I said, in my two trips to Israel, I never got to go to Bethany. You simply cannot see everything when you go to Israel. It's impossible. You'd have to be there for weeks on end. But there are many things I would like to see in Bethany. Perhaps one day, I go back, I will be able to go to Bethany and see these sites. But Bethany is a very real place. We saw it in the video. And tonight in Bethany, we meet Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Mary. I'm sorry, Lazarus and Martha. So who is Mary. Like I said, she's this Babette of the Bible. Now the context we're reading tonight. Now when Jesus was in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper. Now Bethany is just one mile east of Jerusalem. It's just above the Mount of Olives. I have a good indication why we probably didn't go there. Bethany is in the Palestinian territory of the West Bank. So we'd have to actually, when you go there, you'd have to actually cross, go through a border crossing to get into Palestinian territory, just like we do when we go into Jericho or we go into Bethlehem. So why is Jesus there? The Passover is about to begin because there's no, not much room for people inside Jerusalem. Now for about this time of Christ, the population of Jerusalem, they estimate, was 30,000. But during Passover, whenever we make this pilgrimage to Jerusalem, some estimate the 
the population was as high as 300,000. The city's population would increase tenfold. That's why we find Jesus out in Bethany, on the outskirts of Jerusalem during Passover week. That's the closest place he had to stay. So who's in Bethany? we got Simon the leper. His home is where the events take place that we read tonight. Simon has been healed of leprosy. Someone with active leprosy would not have a lot of people to show up at his home for dinner. But Jesus is there. He's in the house, and so are the disciples. And so is Mary. And normally, they say, women wouldn't join men in public events like this. So Mary is there, ready to teach us about one of the greatest words in the whole world. Give. And here's the, here's the context. A woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. John tells us in his version that that woman was Mary. So how much did this perfume cost? We're told in John 12.5 that it's a year's income. A year's income. The average American today makes, may I take a guess? $46,000 a year. That's the average wage for an American today. Imagine dropping $46,000 just like that. As everyone in the room watches, Mary does two remarkable things. First, she pours out this very expensive perfume with total abandon. It's by far the most valuable thing she has, but she's not going to keep it. She's not going to worship it. She opens it up and empties it out. Every single last drop on Jesus' head. Second, Mary pours it on Jesus' head. Now the only people in the Old Testament's heads who were regularly anointed were who? Kings, weren't they? Remember the kings that we read about being anointed as we go through the story? A couple that jumped into my head right away. Saul, David, both anointed. So we take this understanding. Jesus is a king. Strike that. Jesus is the king. He's the king of all kings. That's the main message in Matthew's Gospel. Some of the references. Jesus is the king of the Jews. See your, see your king comes to you. And Matthew records, this is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Those words hung above His head while He was on the cross. Because Jesus is the King, Mary replaces get with give. The context? Bethany during Passover week. The cost was everything. The comparison is between Mary and the disciples. You see, Mary is extravagant. She's excessive. She goes over the top. And what do the disciples do? They were indignant. Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. Disciples seem a little bit threatened here, don't they? About how much is Mary is giving. In fact, I would imagine they're angry with her. Upset. All because Mary does one thing. She gives her most ex expensive thing to Jesus. 
You see some of the comparisons we see here between the disciples and Mary. Mary was generous. The disciples, greedy. Mary gave with abandon. The disciples are are full of misery. Mary sacrifices financially. The disciples don't take even a nickel out of their pocket. Mary shows her faith with actions. And the disciples are talking a good game. Give the money to the poor. Mary loves the word give. But all the disciples can do is get. Jesus was aware of this. And he said to them, Why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Mary knew about Matthew's other verses in the Gospel. Talked about Jesus. Matthew one twenty one. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. Matthew 20.28 the, ser- the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Matthew 26 This is My blood of the covenant which is poured out for the forgiveness I'm sorry, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus said, In pouring this ointment on My body, she has done it to prepare Me for burial. Burial? Burial implies death, doesn't it? And what a death it would be. These coming weeks, we're going to see Jesus betrayed by Judas. Denied by Peter. Sentenced by Pilate. Scourged, whipped, and mocked by soldiers. And abandoned by his father. Christ's death pays for all sin, for all people, for all time. All sin. You ever notice that I paused during the forgiveness of sins? You're forgiven of all your sins. All sin, all people, all the time. Mary gives Jesus everything she has. Mary prepares Jesus to give everything He has. And the room is filled with the smell of costly perfume. Smells are powerful, aren't they? Maybe the smell of a rose reminds you of your first date in high school. Or maybe the scent of Grandma's perfume brings back memories of her. You see, while words go to the thinking part of your brain, When you smell something, it goes to the emotional part of your brain. That's why a whiff of grandma's perfume brings back emotions of grandma. Smells can stir in us some very powerful emotions. And that's also true for Jesus. Mary's strong perfume is going to linger with Jesus throughout the entire week of Holy Week. As he makes his way to the cross, making him, marking him with one word, give. Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her 
Why is that? Because the kingdom of God isn't about hoarding and stockpiling. The kingdom of God isn't about being chintzy and cheap. The kingdom of God is about the word, isn't about the word get. Always and forevermore, God's kingdom is about one word. Give. Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, Mary, this Babette of the Bible, shows us that the kingdom of God is about giving lavishly, giving generously, giving joyfully, and giving completely. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Jesus never said that about anybody else in, the, in, our, in God's Word. Mary's the only one. Thanks to Mary, we see the joy of this one simple word. One simple syllable, but one powerful and life-changing word. It will change everything. It will create so much joy. It's one of the most powerful worlds on the planet. G-I-V-E. Give. Amen? Thank you once again for listening to Hello Friends. If you have any questions about anything that we share on our podcast, any of the sermons, anything in God's Word, His teachings, please get a hold of me. I'd love to have a conversation. God bless.